We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Um, This is going to be a little bit of a different episode. We're actually going to launch a company. (laughs) Uh, Me and my friend Ravi uh, created this thing called the Story Funnel, and um, we had to talk about why we created it, how we did it. You can actually go take a look at it if you go to thestoryfunnel.co. I'll also put the link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, this is something that we've been working on for the last couple of years. It's how we scaled his startup, Sutro, and uh, we wanted to share it with the world. So without further ado, here is my interview with Ravi and I talking about the Story Funnel. Ravi, how's it going? Good, Jari. How are you doing? Happy, uh, happy 2022. I know. Happy 2022. Um, I'm super excited to chat with you. We haven't chatted in a while. I mean, we used to chat a lot when we were working together at Sutro. And uh, what's really beautiful is that that partnership that we did at Sutro to grow it, which we'll we'll talk about in a second, um, came this new idea we have uh, called the Story Funnel, which is all about how to scale your startup and align your revenue operations and your product-led growth teams so that you can scale responsibly through storytelling. And everyone always asks me, well, why is it called the story funnel? And I said, well, marketers love stories. Salespeople love funnels. Sales and marketing hate each other. So we have to bridge the gap, right? Yeah. <laughs> and product thinks they're all a bunch of Yahoo, two drink minimum idiots. So there you go, right? Um, but what's really cool is that like over the time that we worked together at Sutro and we're like developing this process that we've used at other companies, we just didn't formalize it. We sort of got really excited to actually launch this to the world so that we can help other startups scale better, tell better stories, and really have a very data-driven approach because you and I are both engineers, so we love data. Um, and so what I wanted just to briefly talk about is one, you know, we're launching the story funnel. We've got an MVP. It's not perfect, of course, but we want people to use it so we can get better feedback. But also wanted to just go through how we use it at Sutro, um, because Sutro is just seeing some just outstanding 
growth and just really, it was just so nice to see it all pay off, you know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is going to work and it worked. So yeah, so why don't you kind of quickly take us through like Sutro and, you know, how we use the story funnel process to help it grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at the at the 50,000 foot level, for those of the people that are listening that that basically don't know what Sutro is, it's a it's a robot that floats in your swimming pool or spa. Um, there's an app that basically tells you what chemicals to put in and when, right? It's pretty simple. Um, and so obviously our, our target market are swimming pool owners, right, in the U.S. Um, when we first started tackling that, Jari, actually, I think about like two, two years ago or two or three years ago now, yeah. um, I still have that document in my, in my Google folder. We called it like the Sutro, the Sutro story Bible or something like yep. that, the Sutro yep. Bible for launch. Yep. Um, and this was this, you know, canonical 50 page document business plan that we ended up trashing that first weekend because everything changed as soon as we, we, we basically initially wrote it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's when we started really massaging this idea of, of the story funnel. Right. And we were kind of like, you have, you have stages in which you guide people and that could be through Facebook and Google advertising, right? Who are you targeting? How do you get them to that first funnel? How do you get them to the website? And then once they come to the website, you need them to hit that buy button, right? And so everything kind of north of this buy button, I call, you know, the kind of digital sphere. You can, you can send postcards. You don't have to be digital always. Um, you can, you can go and, and kind of knock on people's doors, you know, through sales or through phone calls. Uh, that's all north of buy, right? And then once they're in the buy funnel and they've actually received the product, um, is everything that I would call south of buy. Right. And South of buy is, is how do you keep people happy? Right. Once you've spent all this money in acquiring a user, you need to retain them. Right. Retention is the key here because if you have a super leaky funnel, people are coming in and they're buying and they're returning. Yeah. That's a waste of money. Right. It's a waste of our company's dollars to acquire them. And it's a waste of the user and kind of resources as well. Um, and so I think out of that, you, you kind of helped us really create the, the first versions of the, of, of the brand story guide, which I'll let you talk about. Yeah. Um, but what I've kind of really put my finger on is this product market fit um, survey that we actually send out, which is really guided um, retention numbers. And so at a, at a high level, it took us about what, 14 months or so to get to about seven figures. And we doubled that in the next six months. Yeah. Um, and so now we're heading into 2022 with kind of this really solid product market fit um, number of, of, you know, above 40%, which I'll talk about in a second, but um, yeah, that's the kind of summary of, of where we've gotten um, so far. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm glad you kind of detailed all that because yeah, um, mentioning the brand story guide. I mean, one of the things when we first did that first document, I remember we're in, where were we? You were at like your office somewhere. This is before COVID, right? Like, what was that? The tech shop or something? That upper thing? Yeah, which which is now like a thirty six story high rise. I mean, oh, the they, oh, I didn't even know that. The tech shop was like an eighty year old building. I don't know if you remember. We had like broken windows. Yeah, and it, was, it like was carpet that was pretty. I don't think the carpet carpet did or did not have asbestos inside there, but it wasn't wasn't the healthiest building you should probably be in. No, no, and I remember you know, when we're trying to figure out, okay, what is Sutro and how are we going to differentiate? And one of the things that we came up with was, are you a pool party or a posh party? And I remember just sitting there thinking like everyone in the pool and spa industry is pool party, you know, beers and 
and burgers and like, you know, Hawaiian shirts and stuff. And that's a certain kind of like story they tell, like, and you, you can see it. It's all kitschy. It's got all these pretty bright colors and like, just everything is sort of like cartoony for lack of a better word. Like, yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong. It works for them. Right. Sure. But I remember when we were trying to like figure out, well, what's the story really Sutro needs to tell. And I just remember sitting there on the whiteboard and we're like, well, what do we want people to feel? And we're like, well, what do you mean? What do you want them to feel? And we're just going back and forth. And that's where we first came up with uh, love your pool or spa again. And we're like, well, why is that? And it turns out that the most, the hardest part about owning a pool and spa is keeping the water safe. Like, yeah. and it's the number one problem people bitch about, like constantly, ah, oh, this is a horrible thing. Right. So it was interesting because that was sort of the genesis of well, what are we going to tell people? Like, what's the story we have to get right? And who are the people that are going to resonate with, right? And then that sort of like created this brand story guide, which and the brand story guide is basically the tip of the spear of all your communications. And really it, it has, has three main parts. The main part is like, what's the core value of your brand? Mm-hmm. And um, what's the big idea? Like, what is this thing? And then what's the through line? And to your point about North of Bay and South of Bay, a through line in any story, like story's got three parts, right? There's the beginning hook, the middle build, and the ending payoff. And the beginning hook is your north of buy, right? Hey, how do I get the most people into my um, funnel? And I need to do that through emotion. And I mean, I got to cap, they, we got you know tenth of a second to get them. But then once they buy, a lot of people fall, like companies fall off the cliff. They're like, oh, well, they bought, they're good. Well, the middle build is building that customer to a point where they're like super satisfied, right? I remember we worked on onboarding and how are we going to make it like really easy to get on because there was problems with the tech. I mean, these are all things that we learned through the product market fit survey, which I know you're going to talk about in a second. And then the final thing is the ending payoff. And that ending payoff was how do we build advocates to just sell it for us? Yeah. And, you know, there were a bunch of people that early on were like real big fans, even though it had bugs. And even, I mean, like, you know, all these things, they're just like, we love this thing. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. And fostering that, those kind of people was just wonderful. And it was interesting because that's like the genesis of like, oh, well, there's a structure to this. There are these stages and phases that everyone goes through independent of the product. We just got to make it really slippery or, you know, like, you know, make it so that it's easy to get into it. And then like, but it all feeds back. Like you can't have the beginning not take into consideration the end and vice versa. Yeah. And and through the product market fit survey and some surveys we did with customers, it was just abundantly clear. It's like, gosh, these are the problems they're having. If we can fix these problems, we're going to grow. Turns out, I mean, I'll let you talk a little bit about how that worked because I think right now we've got what? 10 months of product market fit data, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. I think, yeah, something, something close to a year. Yeah, exactly. yeah, something close to a year. So tell us a little bit about that. Cause that was like, once I remember when we saw it, I'm like, wow, this is actually going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was actually, I think it was first round review, um, the venture capital fund. I think they're in San Francisco, New York. Yeah. Um, and Rahul Vora from, from the company superhuman yep. um, wrote, an amazing post with, with the first round review. And I think I had gotten an email from like their, you know, weekly newsletter or something. And I forwarded it to you and I'm like, this is what we need to launch. And you were like, 
okay, how does this, how does this kind of work? And we, we kind of, you know, figured out how to, how to massage the product market fit survey. But, you know, in essence, there's, there's kind of four, four major questions, right? The first question is, how do you feel if you could no longer use Sutra? Um, a, very disappointed, B, somewhat disappointed, and C, not disappointed, right? And there is a way, there, there, there's a reason that we word that to say, how would you feel if you could no longer use Sutro? Um, and the reason that's so is because if you really build a sticky product and you remove it from somebody, then they should inherently feel, you know, pain in, in quotes. They should be very disappointed. Yep. Um, and that's what you're driving for. And a part of this product market fit survey is you want to make sure that that very disappointed number gets above 40. Um, 40%, 40% of your, of your answers that you get in given that cohort um, should answer very disappointed. Um, and how do you get to that is kind of what the next three questions answer. Um, the second question is what type of people do you think would most benefit from Sutro? The third question is what main benefit do you receive from Sutro? And the fourth is how can we um, improve Sutro for you? Um, the second one is, is an interesting question, right? What type of people do you think would most benefit from using Sutra? When you ask somebody that question, they notably will just define themselves, right? right? And if right. you are getting your customers to define themselves, what you're getting now is a, is a mine of data that allows you and the marketing team, you know, let's say digital, if we're, if we're marketing on Facebook, when people define themselves, they, they talk about things a particular way. They talk about the way that they view the world in a particular way. And the whole part of storytelling is telling a conscientious story that somebody else feels like hearing. And what better way of doing that than listening to the words that they want to hear themselves that they've told you. Repeat it back um, to them. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's that second question. Um, the third one is what is the main benefit you receive from, from, from Sutro? Um, that gives us what we're doing right. Right. Obviously when you start to segment the very disappointed from the somewhat to the not disappointed, you start to see people that are very disappointed if you remove the product and what benefits they receive and the differences of that versus somebody that doesn't care whether you take away the product or not. Um, and the interesting thing that you start to realize is people that are very disappointed end up fitting a core market segment that love a particular set of your product set. Um, and when you look at this you know, as an umbrella, you may work on a bunch of stuff, but actually when you start to segment it, you start to really dive deep in that particular cohorts of what they want. Um, and you can, you can kind of focus more on that, which leads us to the fourth question of how can we improve Sutra for you? When you look at, you know, the cohort of very disappointed and you see what can we improve, you want more people that are going to be very disappointed. And so overall, if you just kind of roll the dice and you worked on only the form and features of that fourth question to roll those into, you know, how you can make your product better. I mean, the proofs in the pudding, we, we, we've notably seen over the last 10 to 12 months, if we work on requests of the very disappointed cohort from that last question, we end up getting more people that are actually happier. They stay, they actually are retained. We use marketing language from question number two to get more of those people into the funnel yeah. and then they stay. And it's like, yeah. kind of magic that you, that you start to see this, uh, this thing start to work, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also more data driven, um, and, and a lot more like systematic. I mean, we call it a growth flywheel for a reason, because we know, and we've, we've proven this, that 
you know, the RevOps side of the business, sales, marketing, customer service, customer success, that's sort of interacting with the customer, trying to get the sales, mm-hmm. sometimes very disconnected from the product side or, you know, Sutro does product-led growth, which is, you know, the, the thing that a lot of people are doing, you know, lead with the product so that the product sells itself, right? Well, in order to close that loop and make that a flywheel, you got to know what to tell product to do. And sometimes products just like, well, you guys are a bunch of Yahoo marketers. What the hell do you know? Well, now that you've got metrics, I mean, you you actually use these as OKRs, which is another kind of thing that was really interesting. It's like, no, this is something we all got to focus on because once it's a holistic approach and you can tell the right story and everyone is telling the right story, which is another thing we found that was really fascinating. When, when everyone in the company is telling the same thing, that's what scales because they're like, they can repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And they talk to customers and customers are get satisfied. And so, yeah, it was, it's really great. I mean, Raul over at superhuman, like, you know, pretty much nailed it. And it was it's such a great, it was such a great article. I mean, it inspired us not only to do it manually with Sutro, but in the future, we're actually going to build a tool to do it automatically. So, you know, through various machine learning and AI analysis, we can like give you, Hey, this is what you should be working on. I mean, yeah, you probably don't, you know, give it a shot, you know, and and it was it was great to see at least because we would see these trends, right? Like, oh, the battery doesn't charge, or oh, it's hard to hook to the hub, or oh, that that the cartridge is inaccurate. I mean, all these things you're like constantly see these things, and you're like, well, shit, we gotta fix that. <laughs> yeah, and, and and what's really interesting is we just did um our kind of annual, you know, we look at annualized return rates. Um yeah. we, we we layered this over. So we, we had the first layer of the product market fit. Right. Um, below that, we did the, the return rates. And below that, we did our feature launches. And so it was really, really interesting where you'd see the product market fit be kind of a leading indicator to say, hey, the cartridge is inaccurate, right? Let's take that for example. Um, you'll see that start to rise up and people talking about it. You'll see return rates start to rise up because the RevOps, revenue operations, and customer service team is like, hey, this is we're validating that this thing that the product market fit is saying is also what our users are saying. Right. And then you see the product team work on it, launch the feature and return rates off of that one particular complaint drop down, you know, to like 5% or 2% or whatever it is, but it's of, of, of what it was. Right. Um, and that's just so crazy to see. And we kind of did little lines of this is when we launched the Wi-Fi feature. This is when we launched the accuracy feature. And we did all that off of the product market fit survey. And you just see these like little hills Kind of return rates climbing, climbing, climbing. Well, we launched a feature, drop down, right? Mm-hmm. And then and the next problem kind of comes up. And so it's 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 I mean, it has bottom line implications to your business and return rates and profitability and revenue. Um, and so it's not this, you know, kitschy cool survey that you, you know, your your NPS are we eight point five or eight point seven. There's, uh, like, yeah. there's like real data here that you can actually yeah. work with. And NPS is kind of a joke. I mean, maybe we don't use it right, but I just never Oh wow, I'm at 85 or whatever the number, some random number. They're like, okay, great. But yeah. how do I how do I get better? Like yeah. and, and you know, there's people that'll like, okay, we'll do a survey or whatever. But what we found, I think, with this approach is one, the um loss aversion thing is a really high signal. Like, so if you're gonna lose something, you're gonna be way more pissed off than just saying you like something because everyone will say they'll like it, right? It's the loss aversion that just really ratchets that up. And then just having those open-ended questions and making it simple. It's like really quick to fill out. 
and then really using the machine learning and like we built models to like okay we're gonna we're gonna focus on this just seemed to be you know it took some time to get it going but boy i mean for a hardware company like what well, you know smart home you know iot device to just you know seven figures in you know 12 months or 14 months and then double the next six months that's especially in this kind of space is pretty amazing considering you know it's a cyclical market there's a lot of you know pool and spawn issues a lot of channel stuff and so you got some stuff to work on but it was just it was just fascinating and then the other thing which which i also was an upside was that when we saw this product market fit stuff we saw what people are worried about and we started writing content to like address those issues and so like you know what's a what's a you know, pH up and pH, like all the things that you needed to like layer on. And I just remember, it's like, well, I don't know how that, which one of these is going to, you know, hit. But what happened was during that same time, organic page hits doubled. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it was in one sense, because we were, we were understanding what people were talking about. And then we'd go, oh, Hey, you know what? We should write some content on that to educate the marketplace because this is a complex, it's an expensive product. It's a complex product. Educate the marketplace on these things. And then as, as our organic keywords and our pages grew, then people would be like, oh, let me try this. And then their satisfaction just jumped up because we were really tightly trying to integrate. Oh, hey, people are worried about you know foculent, whatever that stuff is, or they're worried yeah. about how to use pH up and pH down in their spa or about green. I mean, like things that are like real problems, mm -hmm. um, even chemicals. And like, one of the things is that, you know, Sutro, you can use whatever chemicals you want. And one of the feet, one of the feedback was, oh, I wish there was more chemicals or I wish you guys had more of a database of chemicals. And it's like, oh, okay, well, ooh, this is a feature someone people like. So. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, off of that one, you know, in particular, we, we did a three, three month sprint where we, combed Amazon and, you know, websites and people's pool stores. And we were just like, you know, if, if the chemical doesn't exist, help us upload it here. And it was a simple, take a picture of the one that you don't have, take a picture of the barcode and we'll, we'll get it uploaded. And through that kind of continuous iteration process, we have now the largest chemical database. Um, and we don't see that comment anymore. Right. I mean, no. far in between there's always a chemical here and there, but right. we, we generally have, um, have solved that issue through, through the survey. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the, some of the comments now are like, I want to do on-demand testing, or I want to set the time where it tests and stuff, you know, stuff that's, or I want to see the graph of all of the. the yeah. Things. Okay, great. Well, at least you're not saying it doesn't work. <laughs> which, which is cool. Right. Because in, in, in traditional, you know, MVP, like getting the product out there when you first launch in your, in your opening year, right. You're, everybody's going to be scrambling to fix up all these bugs yeah. And I think we've, we've moved from kind of, you know, pre-bug territory to feature territory. Right. And so now we're not just like scrambling to make sure things work. Now it's like, okay, cool. Let me, let us sit down, breathe for a second, get in front of a whiteboard and say, how do we get these additional features on here? Is there ways to optimize revenue such that if there's particular people that want on-demand testing, well, we might charge extra for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this opens up entirely new um, avenues to also increase revenue and increase profitability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also having that tight integration for what the customers want, what are the possible things that could go wrong also had a lot of credibility in the marketplace for partners and vendors. Right. Um, I think that's always a, a, a side effect that a lot of people don't really recognize is that 
you know, you don't know which one of these content things are going to work. You don't know like what shots on goal, right? But a comprehensive approach and a comprehensive story and getting your story straight and really like nailing, okay, we're going to, this is what we're going to do. And then building, and this is what we do with the story funnel. This is why it's like pretty comprehensive strategy. You know, what is the content journey map throughout all of these players? Because, you know, there's even partnerships that, you know, pool stores sell it. So there's that, and then there's helping them and there's helping pool professionals. Like there's a lot of different channels having that story consistent throughout the channel and all different channels, right. Just amplifies like, Oh, every time they see Sutro, it's the same story telling the same thing with the same people that are saying, this is great. And even with the, you know, the, the B2B guys, the, you know, the channel partners, like hearing what they had to say, it was just, you know, people do this a lot where they get feedback. Right. But I've never seen it until, you know, Raul's post about, the real systematic way to feed it back to the product team. Because a lot of times it's just like, you know, bugs, like you said, bug focus as opposed to like, what's the real trend. And, and I think the, the kind of latter half of that is, is what, what is the story that you're trying to tell with, with those features? Right. So like you can have, you know, 10 bugs on, on the table and you can, right. you can fix them. But what's what's the holistic approach, and why is the user asking that, right? And I think that's the kind of end goal of if you can if you can see that north star on, you know, what is the what is the how, right? And like, what are they trying to actually get to? You can then actually solve that problem from maybe not just giving on demand testing, but maybe there's an entire like world of things that you're going to open by just seeing exactly what the intent is of why this user is asking this particular thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know sometimes what you'll do is you'll pop in to the results and you'll be like, oh, just I'll go to call this guy, see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's I, I think I do this on a on a weekly basis. I'll take three <laughs> to five of them. And I'll personally email them. I'll say, hey, hey, Jari, you know, Robbie here, founder of Sutro. Yeah. Um, I saw your I saw your form that you filled out. And this one thing you said about on-demand testing, why do you want it? Right. What's what's yeah. the intent of you needing this thing? Um, and, and the answers you get from that are really eye opening, too. So I think you know, for, for all the founders out there, this isn't a hands-off process and, and more important than not the same, you know, gusto you had when you first started your company and, and interviewing people and getting that storyline, you should continue to keep that, keep that heartbeat up because if you don't know your customers and how can you depend on your customer service team or your rev ops team or your sales team to get that job done? If you yourself aren't in touch with the people you're selling to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is there's too much data, you know, like my guess is like people look at one, one hundredth of the data they collect. I mean, it's common, right? Yeah. And I, th- and I think the reason why that this story funnel approach and the product market fit and the brand story guide and all the things that we're working on the content journey map is that it takes all this data, right? And then what we try to do is very um, respectfully for lack of a better word, distill it down to get some insights. Now, Clearly, you can distill it, you know, rehydrate it and be like, oh, can I dig into this? But what we found when we've, we've run some of these analyses is like you see these trends and then it's like, oh, well, maybe I should dig into that as opposed to I see all this data. I don't know what to do. Um, that, I think, from a, from a like a process point of view and a systematic point of view, to your point, it's like, OK, yeah, like let's say, you know, in some months we get 100 people responding to this survey. Like it's a lot of data. Mm-hmm. But boy, using the machine learning and the tools to like distill 
and then distill so that you can dig in and to your point, you know, calling some people up, it just makes it way more, one way, way more efficient until you really get a good, I mean, a really good sense of what's going on. And I think that's critical when you're scaling, especially the zero to seven figure revenue challenge, right? Most, that's where most companies die anyway. So um, it's really cool to uh, see it all work. And I'm glad that, you know, we're launching a company like the storyfunnel.co to, to help with that, help other founders like us, you know, make, uh, you know, tell better stories so they can scale their company. Specifically, if you, if you've got a RevOps group and a product-led growth group, because that's how we, you know, that's how you formulated or organized Sutro. So. Yeah. And and that, that sort of architecture has really helped from an iteration standpoint, right? Having that product team and then having the revenue operations, right? I think revenue operations was, was, was kind of a new thing. I had customer service kind of sitting in the middle um, and through the revenue operations kind of division, if you will, um, we have, you know, marketing sales and customer service and the the beauty of having all three of those groups talk with each other is you really start to get the kind of front lines of what's happening right as the product is out there sales is interfacing as they're trying to sell something customer service is dealing with the issues of the product and you know solving any sort of questions that we might have and marketing is trying to you know sell it from like a digital standpoint yeah um you start to link that together with the product market fit survey, and then you call in the product team. And now you have this kind of, you know, perfect storm of, of all parts kind of communicating and talking together using the central point of truth, which is the product market fit survey. Um, You know, not to say that we base every decision we make off of this one survey, you know, we do input customer service um, information of what people are talking about. We do input, you know, app analytics from our, um, not mixed panel, but um, Firebase. That's that's analyzing, you know, retention on there. We do look at Shopify metrics. So the thing is, one piece out of you know probably seven or ten different data streams that we have, but it's the one that we we kind of first open the book to. It's the first page of the chapter, yeah. and then we kind of dig deep and dig into you know various parts of the of the organization to figure out what's actually going on, where we should move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to your point about other sources of data, I know one of the things. You know, when we when we look at a, a setting up this story funnel or setting up a story funnel, um, the stages and phases of each one of those is like metrics driven as well. So pulling yeah. in all those that data to make a comprehensive kind of soup to nuts, you know, prospect to advocate kind of mentality. You know, again, people collect data; they don't look at it. So if if you have a place to put the data and it's a certain thing and it, it follows a continuum. Then you're one. You're much more likely to use it, and two, you're much more likely to get some insights from it. And I think, yeah, having that product market fit survey and the data analysis at the core of it sort of allows all that other data to reinforce. Oh, hey, why did we get this many returns? Oh, hey, customer customer support's got all these Zendesk tickets, and oh my gosh, it's what the heck's going on? You know, you you can then align the story to be like, oh, this is what's going on. Look, we saw a signal here. And it's just rippling through. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, man, great, great. We could catch up. Happy 2022. Looking forward to building the story funnel with you. And I know you're, you know, you continue to work at Sutro, such a great company. It's going to be growing like a weed. And, you know, if, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to, you know, 
get more information about how we're, how we're doing it, what we're doing. We're of course going to try to build and build in public and help as many people as we can just go over to the storyfunnel.co And if you know, both of us, you'll probably be getting tons of emails about it. <laughs> hey man, you should use this. You should yeah, use this. Yeah. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Good luck. And uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, see what the future holds. Cool. Awesome, Jerry. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.